0: This is Finding Center, a daily half-hour of spiritual focus. Today on Finding Center, the theme is Feeling God's Love. Timothy B. Smith, a BYU Associate Professor of Counseling Psychology when this devotional was given, will give his address entitled, Love of the Savior.
1: Over the past two weeks, we have seen an outpouring of love on the Brigham Young University campus. When we learned of the death of President Gordon B. Hinckley, students set up spontaneous memorials expressing their love for him. And when the reorganization of the first presidency was announced last week, our hearts reached out in love to President Thomas S. Monson and his counselors. Love is a central principle in the gospel of Jesus Christ. Often asked why people who joined the church remain loyal to him, the prophet Joseph Smith explained, it is because I possess the principle of love. All I can offer is a good heart and a good hand. A young man who knew the prophet Joseph Smith later recalled an occasion when, quote, Joseph and some of the young men were playing various outdoor games, among which was a game of ball. By and by, they began to get weary. He saw it and called them together and said, Let's build a log cabin. So they set off and built a log cabin for a widow woman." On another occasion, after playing ball with the boys, the Prophet gathered up the players and then sent them out to chop and deliver wood to the needy. This kind of love for others is a gift from God called charity. It is the love of the Savior. In the worldwide leadership training broadcast this past Saturday, Elder Holland shared what he called the parable of the homemade shirt. When he was young, his mother would sometimes sew shirts for him, and she did her best work when she followed a pattern. Without a pattern, the shirt might end up with errors. Elder Holland then drew the parallel that the gospel of Jesus Christ provides essential patterns for our lives deviation from the gospel pattern is likely to result in error. For example, romantic love is wonderful, but our society distorts romance beyond proportion. It is as if a clean white shirt has been tie-dyed and tailored to the point of immodesty. It ends up fitting no one. No wonder so many end up disappointed. When it comes to love, we can take our measurements from a higher standard. The perfect pattern of love was taught by the Lord Jesus Christ. Love one another as I have loved you. There are countless patterns in the Holy Scriptures that can teach us about the love of the Savior, but today we will focus on only one. That pattern is that, first, God loves us. We then turn to him for healing and instruction. He then turns our hearts to love and serve others. Not specific to romantic love, this pattern applies to a variety of circumstances, from missionary service to marriage. Let's turn to the scriptures for three examples of this pattern, Enos, Lehi, and the sons of Mosiah. First, consider the story of the prophet Enos. He said, I went to hunt beasts in the forest, and the words which I had often heard my father speak concerning eternal life and the joy of the saints sunk deep into my heart. First, Enos opened his heart to God. Next, Enos turned to God and was healed. He said, And my soul hungered. And I kneeled down before my Maker, and I cried unto him in mighty prayer and supplication for my own soul. And all the day long did I cry unto him, Yea, and when the night came, I did still raise my voice high that it reached the heavens. And there came a voice unto me, saying, Enos, thy sins are forgiven thee, and thou shalt be blessed. Enos prayed for his own soul and received a remission of his sins. As soon as he was healed, Enos turned his thoughts to others. He said, When I had heard these words, I began to feel a desire for the welfare of my brethren the Nephites, wherefore I did pour out my whole soul unto God for them, and I prayed unto him with many long strugglings for my brethren the Lamanites. First Enos opened his heart to God. Then he turned to God and received healing forgiveness. When he was healed, he turned to serve others. A second example of the pattern is found in the vision of the Tree of Life by the prophet Lehi. In his words, I beheld myself that I was in a dark and dreary waste, and after I had traveled for the space of many hours in darkness, I began to pray unto the Lord that he would have mercy on me. First, Lehi was alone until he remembered the Lord. Next, Lehi turned to God and received of his love, represented by the tree of life. He said, After I had prayed unto the Lord, I beheld a tree whose fruit was desirable to make one happy. And it came to pass that I did go forth and partake of the fruit thereof. Lehi came to the tree of life and was filled with joy. This prompted him to remember his family. He said, Wherefore, I began to be desirous that my family should partake of it also, and it came to pass that I beckoned unto them, and I did say with a loud voice that they should come unto me and partake of the fruit. Lehi and his family were in darkness. They were brought to the tree of life, which represented the love of God. Those who partook of the fruit were filled with joy and consecrated their lives unto the Lord. A third example of this pattern is found in the mission of the four sons of Mosiah, who left their homes to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ among their enemies, the Lamanites. Through this mission, many Lamanites received of the Lord's love, turned to him and were healed, then consecrated themselves to lives of service and peace. Whether individual, as in the case of Enos, family, as in the case of Lehi, or a whole group of people, as in the case of the anti-Nephi-Lehi's. The pattern is the same. In a way, this pattern follows Elder Oaks's pattern of good, better, best. It is good to believe that the Savior, Jesus Christ, loves us. It is better to turn to him and be healed. It is best to love as he loves giving ourselves completely to others. In the scriptures, the term heart sometimes refers to love, but the term hand is also used. Whereas heart refers to a feeling, hand refers to an act of giving, putting into action our feelings of love. In that sense, the image of an outreached hand symbolizes a type of love spoken of in the scriptures. The Lord reaches out to us in love, then heals us, then sets us apart in his service. For example, after the resurrection, the Apostle John records that when the Savior appeared to the apostles, he showed unto them his hands. He then set them apart, saying, As my Father hath sent me, even so send I you. The same pattern occurred when the Savior appeared to the Nephites. First he showed unto them his hands. Then he healed them. Then he ordained disciples to minister unto them. We face many challenges in life. You have experienced challenges and suffering and struggles known only to you and to God, says the Lord, as the clay is in the potter's hand so are ye in my hand. For you it might be the darkest of night, but the arm of his mercy is extended in the light of day. No matter what your struggle, you can feel of his love right now. No matter what your heartache, you can seek his love right now. He healeth the broken in heart. And when we are healed, we can say, But thou, O Lord, art our Father, and we the clay, and thou our potter, and we are all the work of thy hand. When we receive God's love, we become willing to submit to his will. It is immediately after we say, Father, into thy hand I commit my spirit, that we are taken from the pain of this world, transformed by him in a mighty change of heart. In heartache I have cried out for him, and I have felt the love of the Savior. I know of his grace. He is love. The mercy of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting. Through the atonement, we are healed. And when we are healed, he turns our hearts to others. That is how he works. It is his work and his glory. When we submit our will to his, we receive the greatest gift of all. We do struggle in this life. But the pattern of our Savior's love accounts for our limitations and growth over time. He works with us according to our abilities and needs, which change in every stage of life. As children, we need to receive. We need love. As we grow older, we gain a personal witness of God. We need forgiveness as we hurt ourselves and others. As adults, we shoulder responsibilities in family and community. The pattern reflects our progression. When we are healed, we give. Our Father in heaven invites all of us, his children, give, and it shall be given unto you. Freely have ye received, freely give. Said the psalmist. Because thy loving kindness is better than life, I will lift up my hands in thy name. Our hands become his when we labor in his name. You can lift up your hands to serve. You have gifts to give. What are they? Like President Thomas S. Monson, you might follow the Savior's pattern of love by visiting the sick and the afflicted, the fatherless and the widows—but whatever your inclinations might be. The BYU Center for Service and Learning offers dozens of service-learning opportunities, at least one of which will be suited for your needs. I hope we overwhelm them with requests. Chances are you already know someone in your family who needs of your love, or know someone who needs the truths of the gospel. Both missionary service and marriage qualify as service-learning opportunities, because marriage and missionary service might be on the minds of at least one person here today. They deserve further attention. First, missionary service. A member of our ward, Sister Sharon Paulson, joined the Church thirteen years ago, and the gospel transformed her life. She sought all she could do to further missionary work. So for ten years she has served as a cook in the missionary training center. Chances are many of you have been blessed by her service. Although her offering may have begun as the equivalent of five loaves and two fishes, her hands have become his in feeding thousands. Like the four sons of Mosiah, once we have been healed by the Savior, our desire is for others to receive his same love. When the love of the Savior is our motive, we become missionaries, full-time or not. Said Elder M. Russell Ballard, some members say, I'm afraid to share the gospel because I might offend someone. Experience has shown that people are not offended when the sharing of the gospel is motivated by love and concern. How could anyone be offended when we say something like this, I love the way the Church helps me, and then add whatever the Spirit directs? It is when we appear only to be fulfilling an assignment and we fail to express real interest and love that we offend others. Our niece, currently serving in the Raleigh, North Carolina Mission, has shared with us recently that she has made it her goal to see everyone she meets as her literal brother or sister. Such love is motivated by the love of the Savior. She says that perspective has made all the difference. Missionary service requires genuine love. We may be called to serve, but we cannot serve truly without that qualification. With that qualification, charity and love qualify us for the service of our Heavenly Father. Having that qualification, missionaries fulfill the Lord's request, quote, "...let them lift up their voice and declare my word, lifting up holy hands upon them, for I am able to make you holy." missionaries follow the pattern of the Lord. They help others first to receive his love, then turn to him and be healed, and then commit the remainder of their lives to his service. For the person still thinking about marriage, it is now your turn to listen. The thirteenth article of faith proclaims, If there is anything virtuous or lovely or of good report or praiseworthy, We seek after these things. We seek after marriage, but what kind of marriage? We often hear people speak of eternal marriage or temple marriage, but what kind of marriage is that? Said Elder Marlon K. Jensen, eternal marriage is godlike marriage. The term eternal describes the quality of marriage as much as its duration. What type of marriage would our God have? If we had that perspective in mind when we speak of temple marriage, then we would worry less about decorations and focus more on the core values, such as those concluding the Young Women's theme, being prepared to strengthen home and family, make and keep sacred covenants, receive the ordinances of the temple and enjoy the blessings of exaltation. Let me tell you about a young couple who lived that way. Amy met her sweetheart Curtis in the Clyde Building, where they were attending engineering classes together. Curtis was a returned missionary serving in his elders quorum. He loved the Savior, and Amy knew it because of how he served others and how he lived his life. They were sealed in the Mount Timpanogos Temple, and Curtis continued to serve Amy and then later their little daughter in countless little ways. Family came first, balanced with responsibilities as student counselor in a BYU freshman ward bishopric and member of the BYU ultimate frisbee team. As he was driving to Canada with the BYU team, there was an accident and Curtis was killed. Amy and Curtis's marriage is eternal. But it is not eternal because he has died, it is eternal because of how he lived, serving others and honoring his temple covenants. Regarding his marriage, President Gordon B. Hinckley said, In our long life together I cannot remember a serious quarrel. If every husband and every wife would constantly do whatever might be possible to ensure the comfort and happiness of his or her companion, there would be little, if any, divorce. Another example of such dedication in marriage comes from a woman I know who was an English major at BYU. She met her sweetheart in Provo, corresponded with him throughout his mission to Germany, and then later throughout her own mission, also to Germany, three and a half years writing letters. They were sealed in the Provo temple a few months before their graduation from BYU. Even though they were going to be attending graduate school, they desired to have children immediately, but they were unable to do so. The wife later lamented, My poor husband, for six years he thought marriage meant hearing me cry every night. Eventually they were able to adopt a baby boy and later a baby girl, and a baby boy, and another baby girl. After so many years of heartache, they were constantly caring for children, but that was not the end. After undergoing additional treatments, they learned they were going to have triplets. Months of bed rest to prevent premature delivery were followed by months of constant devotion to the needs of the tiny infants. The couple now had seven children, eight years old and younger. (laughs) Through years of heartache, this sister had actively sought the love of the Lord. Eventually, she was healed and dedicated her life to serving her family. That dedication did not begin when she first held the child in her arms. It began as BYU students, she and her future husband, determined their life's priorities and then went forward, no matter the cost. Anciently, devotion to God was demonstrated through daily sacrifices performed in the temple upon a holy altar. Today eternal devotion in marriage begins within the temple, across a holy altar, and sacrifices are still a daily requirement. Marriage is ordained of God. It is a pattern perfectly designed for us to increase in our capacity to love because marriage requires sacrifice. President Howard W. Hunter has said, We need to love one another with the pure love of Christ and, if necessary, shared suffering, for that is the way God loves us. There is joy in marriage, joy in missionary service, and joy whenever we reach out with the hand of the Lord to serve others. The pattern of love presented today is but one of many found in the Holy Scriptures, and like most patterns, it points us to Christ. As we receive God's love, our faith motivates us to repent. The Atonement of Jesus Christ makes healing possible, and when we are born again, Born of the water and of the Spirit, through baptism and the gift of the Holy Ghost, the Holy Ghost prompts us to give to others, consecrating our talents and time for their benefit. Priesthood, the perfect plan of service, and temple covenants enable eventual sanctification. Christ is at the center of the pattern. He is at the beginning and at the end. He is pattern of love that we follow. Whether missionary, single, or married, we can apply his pattern to our lives through active planning. Think about your schedule this week. When will you make time to serve others? Many people can be blessed by your service. Who can you help? So what if you receive no Valentines? How many will you give? Like the Prophet Joseph Smith, when we possess the principle of love, what we offer is a good heart and a good hand. To my way of thinking, Brigham Young University embodies the pattern of Christ's love. Members of the Church who love the Savior give their tithes at some sacrifice so that our lives will be blessed through their giving and through the direction of Christ's servants who administer this institution. We are enabled to serve for a lifetime. This university exists through giving and love. Said Elder Jeffrey R. Holland, we love you and measure that love as we measure the greatness of this school by the profundity and power of the gospel of Jesus Christ, we faculty and staff love you students. We seek to turn you to Christ so that you will give of yourselves to others across your lifetimes. What we all entered BYU to learn is to go forth to serve in the name of Jesus Christ.
0: Amen. You've been listening to Finding Center. Join us every weekday for a half hour of inspiration and spiritual focus. Today's theme was Feeling God's Love. Timothy B. Smith gave his message entitled Love of the Savior. Speeches on Finding Center are often edited for broadcast. Find links to the full talks and access the rest of our Finding Center episodes on the free BYU radio app. Available wherever you get your apps. Finding Center is a production of BYU Broadcasting.